Gospel reading is from John 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Here ends the Gospel reading. By 1969, Computers had been around for several years as room-sized mainframe machines used only by businesses and governments. But that year, the first PC for home use was offered in the Neiman Marcus catalog. It was a stand-up model with a built-in countertop called the Honeywell Kitchen Computer, and it was listed for $10,600. That was a lot of money in those days when you could still get a new car for $2,000. The kitchen computer was aimed at housewives and was intended to be used for recipe management. That was the only home use for computing power other than checkbook balancing that the Honeywell engineers could think of. Not surprisingly, not one single kitchen computer sold. But as we all know, Computers have since moved out of just the business world into our homes, as well as into our pockets and purses, and we found new ways to use them. In the 1970s, while the cost of computing power was still high, Alan Kay, who was an engineer at Xerox, decided to do what observers called wasting transistors. Instead of reserving the pricey power of the computers at his disposal for what was considered valuable functions, such as information processing, he began using it for so-called frivolous stuff, such as drawing cartoons on the screen. Those cartoons and other on-screen graphics he created, such as pointers and windows, eventually became the first graphical interface and that gave life to the Macintosh computer. The Mac, in turn, inspired similar changes in Windows PCs. In other words, by wasting computer power, K made computers simple enough for the rest of us to use. And then we, the public, changed things even further by thinking of new applications for the computer. This story prepares us to hear the Gospel reading for this week. Jesus, in the last days of his life, is in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, sitting at the table. 
Mary takes a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, which was a fragrant imported oil. We soon learn from Judas's remark that the jar could have been sold for 300 denarii, which was nearly a year's pay for a working man. But Mary wastes it, according to Judas, pouring it on Jesus' feet. Now, it wasn't uncommon in those days to anoint the head of a guest as a sign of respect, but in those cases, only a few drops of oil would normally be used. The pouring of lavish amounts of oil, again on the head, was the kind of anointing that was usually reserved for designating someone as a king or priest. But anointed is the English equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah, Messiah, and the Greek word Christos, Christ. So while we have no way of knowing exactly what Mary was thinking, did her action express more than simple respect for Jesus? Did it express her conviction that Jesus is the Messiah? But perhaps she poured the oil on his feet because she didn't consider herself worthy to, to anoint his head. Judas Iscariot is also at the table, and he sees Mary's actions as neither a sign of respect for Jesus nor a declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. He sees only waste and rudely questions why the perfume wasn't sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. Jesus, however, rises to Mary's defense, saying, Her act is for the day of my burial. Anointing the dead was a common burial practice in that time, but Jesus knows what is coming, accepted this anointing as an act before the fact. As far as Jesus is concerned, Mary's gift is one of extravagant love, not of wasted perfume. Jesus' response to Judas has the undertone that, yes, this is perfume that could have been sold and the money given to the poor, but would it have? If you had an extra 300 denarii in your hands right now, would you give it to the poor? Is that really where it would end up? Note that John impugns Judas' character and motivates emotives describing him as a thief. But Jesus does not. He challenges only Judas's assumption that the perfume and Mary's act was wasted. In that regard, Jesus was likely aware that most people resist waste. We give a child an inexpensive toy for Christmas, and they have a wonderful time playing with the box the toy came in. Rather than rejoicing in the child's pleasure, we're bothered that the toy itself is ignored. What a waste, we think, even if we don't say it. We could have just bought him an empty box. Sometimes, even when wasting is cheaper than not wasting, we persist in trying to avoid waste. The nature of copy machines and printers, even today, is that sometimes the paper feeder mechanism messes up and pulls two pieces of paper through so that you end up with one printed sheet and one blank sheet that seems to perfectly good. What's the best thing to do with the blank sheet? Recycle it, 
use it for scratch paper or just throw it away. Just don't put it back in the machine. Sheets that have gone through laser printers pick up a stack, static charge that causes many of them to not go through smoothly on the second try. In fact, often they cause the machine to jam. Then you have to spend 15 minutes tinkering with the printer or in extreme cases calling for repairs. Most people who work in offices soon learn that that's what can happen when they try to avoid wasting a sheet that came through blank. But many will try it again anyway, simply because it doesn't feel right to waste what seems to be a perfectly good piece of paper. We don't want to encourage waste, but the story of this woman who anointed Jesus suggests that we may need to rethink what extravagances are really wasteful. I've looked at costly cathedrals somewhere and thought, what a waste spending all that money in a place where there are so many homeless people. But would that money have been used to help the poor? And being in a religious place can focus our attention on the sacred. We need to seek a balance. We hear about something, someone exceptional, talented, who has potential and opportunities in many fields, but who decides to work at an inner city mission, and we think, what a waste of all that talent. We know of an attractive, smart, genial person who has chosen to remain single, or who marries but chooses not to have children. Too bad, we think, he would have made such a good parent. We learn of a young person who has been offered a full-ride scholarship at a prestigious university, but she decides to go instead to a local college where she has no scholarship so she can live at home with her mother, who is ill and has no other family. Are those things really waste, or are they something else? We are quick to label wasted. Wasted time, wasted effort, wasted talent, wasted money, wasted resources, wasted commitment, wasted life. Some of those things may indeed be true squanderings, but we can't always be sure. Sometimes what is wasted changes the world, or at least us, for the better. None of us are worthy of God's unconditional love and forgiveness but God gives it to us anyway. Is God's grace wasted on us when we continue to sin? Obviously, God doesn't think so. And as undeserving as we are, God sent Jesus to suffer and die for us. The woman with the anointment reminds us that some of those things we're quick to call wasted surely are not. Instead, their wonderful gifts of extravagance poured on us by love itself. Amen.
May Christ, born into time, to bring endless peace, guide your days and years in righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.